It's John, a cut above horror reviews. Horrors of school month this month. Yeah, the entire month of September. Uh, we're going with Heidelberg's pick this week. We're talking about Night of the Creeps from 1986, episode 64. Yeah, horrors of school month because school at times can be horrific, right? Okay. Kick back and enjoy episode 64, Cut Above Horror Review. Thank you guys so much for all the nice reviews that we've gotten on uh, iTunes and Spotify. Keep them coming. Go follow us on all social medias and kick back, relax, enjoy a Cut Above Horror Review right now. Cut my life into pieces. Good evening and welcome to A Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host Jacqueline and tonight we'll be discussing the film Night of the Creeps from 1986. But first, let's meet everyone else on the show. First up, it's Hydraberg. How you doing, Hydraberg? Throw me, guys. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> I feel like that should good. be your new catchphrase. Yeah, throw me. <laughs> Every time I pick up the phone, I'm just going to say that to people. You should. Who talks really? on the phone anymore? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever someone texts you, just say thrill me. Whatever they text you. I've seen a couple movies this week. I've uh, been yeah. to the theater twice. I watched some movies at home. Had kind of just like a you know, stay-at-home weekend. It was good, though. That sounds nice. What did you see in the theater? I saw oh. Pearl. Okay. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, right. we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll talk about what we saw this week. Yep. Okay. All right, Nick, you want to pick it back up with how you're doing? Okay. I'm doing good. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought this was going to be a little more that John might cut out later. Oh, I don't know. I was hoping you would just pick up talking as though there had been no mention. I thought we were just leaving it. We leave everything in there. Let's just leave it all in. This is is not awkward. I'm doing good. Anyway. I saw a movie. I'll talk about it later. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. I'm doing good. I went to the theater a couple times this week, and uh, we'll talk about it in a little while. John, how are you? What? I'm fine. Thanks. I did not go to the movie theaters this week. Uh, I watched this movie that we're talking about today a couple of times. So, Oh, a couple of times. I Goodness. Did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh, wow. I'll be curious to hear how that impacted your opinion of it. 10 out of 10, then, it must be, if you watched it a couple of times. I did. Uh can I give a complaint about Pluto? They kept cutting out. Maybe it was my internet. I don't know. That goes our sponsorship. <laughs> Damn it. We were so close. But I didn't say anything about what internet it was. But yeah, yeah, yeah it kept cutting out. But That's a bummer. Yeah. I watched it a couple of times. Jacqueline, how are That's you? Cool. I'm all right. I'm really tired. But other than that, it's okay. I'm all right. <laughs> uh, I also went to the theater this weekend, but I'll talk more about that later too. Okay, so let's uh, let's jump into news. Martin Scorsese has praised the movie Pearl. Mm. That it was totally disturbing. Uh, we did find out that the third movie is going to be called Maxine with Triple X with Mia Goth. Cool, yeah. taking place in the eighties. All right. Oh, really? Yep. Yeah, like during the porn industry boom. Oh, okay. I it, it was a teaser because it was almost like the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, and it said Maxine. Yeah, so so spoilers for X, but it's 
I'm I'm kind of glad because I really did want to know what like happened to her character in that movie. Okay. So this will be like a continuation of that. I'm assuming this takes place after she gets away. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me blow these through these real quick because I want to find out what you guys actually uh, thought about the boobs you've seen. Uh, Constantine getting a sequel. And uh, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, Keanu Reeves is going to be the titular role. Mm-hmm. Is it mm-hmm. title role? Yeah. Whatever it is. Yeah, John Constantine. He was in the first one. Yep. Was that a good movie? That's one that I missed somehow. So I enjoy it. Uh, I, I know that, too. like, diehard Constantine fans that read the books, I know that's not their Other Constantine. Books? Yeah, it's based on a comic. A comic oh, book. that's DC. why I don't know like about a, it. More of an adult version. He's like, you know, it's a cool premise. Like, he basically, like, catches demons and stuff. But basically, the reason that he can do this is because he, like, made a deal with the devil. At one point during his life, is it a comic book movie? I mean, like DC. It's not like a superhero film. I mean, it's comic book movie. Like it's based on a comic book, but oh, okay. I I wouldn't give it the whole negative superhero vibe that connotation that people are like, oh, I'm tired of these films. Like it's not that. (laughs) Okay. But like, did you ever see V for Vendetta? Like that was based on a comic book, but that's not like comic booky necessarily. Right. So no, it's a, it's a. I thought the first Constantine is pretty decent. I mean, it's a. I think it's an early 2000s film. Yeah. Um, you know, the CGI probably doesn't hold up as much as good as, as it used to. But overall, like I thought, um, I mean, I like Keanu Reeves in certain roles. He's like really good in. And I think this was one of them. So, John, did you say this was a sequel or a reboot or a remake or what? whatever? Sequel. Sequel. A requel? Okay. Yeah. I can't keep up with all these terms. I know. Oh, Jacqueline is going to like this one. Trick or Treat Studios has just released the action figures of House of a Thousand Corpses from our friend Rob Zombie. Yay! Oh, you got Rob oh, Zombie in there. I want the Dr. Satan figure with the like attachments to like. There the- is the Dr. Satan figure. There's the fish boy. There's uh, Otis as uh, the dad, the skin on him. No, no, he's like the he's got the, the white makeup, the like cross ghost. on his forehead yeah. when he yeah. looks like all that's a cool look the, with the red robe thing on. Yeah, is there a rabbit? Run, rabbit, run, <laughs> rabbit. <laughs> I love that thing you said to us because it was like like rabbit run road or something like that with uh Bill Mosley. Yeah, playing that you said. Oh yeah, he, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. a tweet that he took. Yeah, yeah. Well, if anybody wants to get me a Mother's Day present next spring, <laughs> I would happily accept. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, that's, uh, that's cool. Uh, so you guys have seen some movies. Um, let's go with Jacqueline, our host. Um, you watched the movie Barbarian. Yeah, I saw it yesterday. I got a babysitter for once and was able to go to the theater for a rare treat. Spoiler free. Uh, would you recommend generally speaking yes i would recommend to to any horror fan i would say yes um to a general audience who uh may or may not be super into horror i would proceed with caution um boy yeah it's a horror film like you're not gonna it's i i would say it's pretty intense especially if you're not um if, if you're not more than like a dabbler in horror but yes i i personally give it thumbs up i say it, it fucks 
Oh, nice. I went to see, I thought I went to go see that film last week, but it was, I ended up seeing the Bavarian and it was about like German <laughs> cuisine. It was weird. <laughs> well done. Oh, Hyderberg, you jokester. No, I also did see the Barbarian last week and I too enjoyed it. Now I can't stop thinking about pastries. Yeah. <laughs> Black Forest cake. So, Hyderberg, you went to go see the movie we talked about previously, Pearl. I did. Um, spoiler free. Was Mia good- Goth kicked some ass in this film, I got to say. Like, she's, her acting in this film uh-huh. was really good. Um, I can't, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but it's like a it's an homage to old timey like films. Uh, there's definitely it's got that aesthetic to it. Um, you know, with like the wink of an eye though, like hey, it's a modern film, but we're like you know, playing off like it's old, and um, it's definitely got some fucked up scenes too, uh, as far as horror goes that you'll get out of there. And just Mia Goth, I just thought it was there's like one scene in particular, uh, when you guys finally see it, we'll talk about it, but it's just really good. Nice. So, so question for you. Yeah. Um, I don't like, don't answer this if it'll spoil anything, but you know how the trailer for Pearl was like a little surprise blurb at the end of mm-hmm. X. I know that, you know, we're all, we're all aware of Maxine coming it out plays, next. It does play at the end of the movie. The trailer for that plays at the end of Yeah, Pearl. the same thing we've okay. already seen. All right, cool. That's what I was wondering. Yeah. Cool. How does it, so how does the trailer look? For Maxine. Mm-hmm. Oh, you haven't seen it? It's just like an aerial view oh, of like yeah. coming around the Hollywood Hills and then it looks like the Hollywood sign. But when it pans around, it's it says Maxine with triple X and then like uh, retro style, like porno triple X, like Maxine, uh, like graphic comes up and okay. it's like shining and stuff like that, like an old 80s graphic. Um, basically showing it like she's in Hollywood now, you know? Yeah, that's great. rad i love how he's playing around with the different decades yeah and there's a there's like a film grain to it like it's a vhs almost so like an old video camera yep. like news news camera from the helicopter sort of taking the the uh image so and just like he did with pearl you know it's definitely an homage to those that period of film so it'll be interesting and i'm glad that we're breaking off from the pearl line like i'm glad it's not another pearl movie because yeah. i do want to really see what happens to maxine's character because I liked her character. I actually prefer Pearl in this movie than I did as the old lady in the in X. Okay, interesting, man. I hope I get a chance to see Pearl soon. Yes, you can see it in theaters. You should. It's it's shot really well. I'd really like to. That was Barbarian. Barbarian. I was like the craft in Barbarian was really good. Like it was just some great scenes, camera work and stuff. You sounded like you had some complaints. I did. I did, but I don't want to like mentioning them. I spoiled the vibe of the film. I don't really want to spoil okay. it because some of the things that I complain of, that I have a complaint about are things that actually make the film for other people. So I don't really want to I don't want to dabble on that if uh, if it ru- I don't want to ruin it for anybody. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Nonetheless, John, I do think you need to see it. Oh, yeah, I would. I still recommend it. I just there was there was a part of it where I was just a little like, eh. yeah, but overall, it's a good film. There was a part that was eh for me too, but I think it's a different part than yeah. was eh for you. It was still a great experience in the theater, though. Guys, I will. Okay, okay. Watch John, it. get out and see Promise. a fucking movie. Would you? That's what we're trying. Just to go spend. now. We'll wait. All right. Bye, guys. <laughs> All right. Any other news, John? Or no, ma'am. We're good. All right. Um, 
real quick before we get into everything, can I can I give a little shout out? Yeah. Sure. Uh, look before it because I don't want to forget, but I want to give a shout out to Bridge Troll Matt, friend of the show from the Straight Chillin' Slack chat. Oh yeah. Uh, he's a fellow D and D nerd and a Straight Chillin' tattoo holder like I am. Um, <laughs> he wrote us all separate like handwritten notes uh, about our cast, and like uh, each one I, I believe had like a personal note in it as well. Like, yeah, just yes. Exactly. Written to like each of us uh, separately about things in our lives that we've talked to him about and stuff. So I really appreciate that. I thought it was really thoughtful. And it was like in a Halloween card, which was fucking hilarious because inside the card, he wrote Rob Zombie (laughs) over and over and over and over again. And I just noticed today that the very bottom, there's one spider one at the very bottom. You just noticed that? Yeah, I didn't. I just scanned and I saw all the Rob Zombies. Oh, it was like the first thing I noticed. Like I just assumed it all just said Rob Zombie. Yeah. And in the very corner, there's one. Uh, spider one uh, it was a little jack torrency i have to yeah. say i just think like thanks for being hard with us matt and uh yeah uh, thank one you, thing matt. i did want to i did want to let you know matt that is uh i'm from new york i'm not from new england so uh i get <laughs> well, the hang on a second thing all the time though hang on a second say bro a lot isn't new york part of new england no whoa hey it's not it's massachusetts no, New England is not just Massachusetts. But I mean, New York is New York. It's it's not part of New England. <laughs> Hang on. I need to consult Google. Because he was like, oh, I envy you because of the falls that you get in New England in my note. And I was like, Jacqueline. oh, no, thanks, buddy. I'm not from New England, though. Yeah, Jacqueline, it's almost like saying Florida is part of the Mississippi. It's not far. It's on the same coast. It's right up the coast. But, you know. Oh, OK. I guess I was wrong. New England comprises Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Rhode Island. <laughs> so it's not just Massachusetts. No, it's not. I just always assume Massachusetts. Just that's the one place I think of right away when I think of New England. But yeah, I get well because of the Patriots, probably. Yeah. Um, but I guess being from down here, I just kind of think of all of the Northeast as being New England. And basically, what I thought because of the Boston, uh, some people think I'm from Boston because I, I have a Long Island accent, which sounds a little similar sometimes. No. he's not the first person to think i'm from boston okay or maybe like me being a floridian maybe he thought that new york was part of new england he could (laughs) have maybe he made the same error either way i I get we get pretty cool falls here matt and yeah that's (laughs) what you're getting and thanks for writing in man yeah that was so sweet that's that's one of those thoughtful things that people just don't really do anymore and so it's it's such a total surprise when people do kind and thoughtful things like that yeah. it's unbelievable it's kind of unreal he, even, he sent me a dick pic <clears throat> what well yeah, i think you a, need to explain pic- that a it little. was a picture of richard nixon <laughs> so it was a tricky dick pic yeah because when Hilarious. they first asked for my address i was like yo if you just wanted to send me a dick pic you could do it over the dms you didn't have to send it like old school snail mail that's a creative way of asking for a dick pic and i was like oh you got me yeah and then when it came it in the happened. mail, I really did, it, I forgot about that conversation. So I'm like looking at it. I'm like, what is the picture of Richard Nixon supposed to be? <laughs> That's your dick pic. Yeah, there's my dick pic. There you go. Yeah, you got it. Oh, that Matt. Love so, yeah. Clever one. Thank you, buddy. But seriously, that was really sweet and thoughtful. Yeah. And it's, it's a kind gesture in an unkind world. So we appreciate you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys ready to talk about Night of the Creeps? Yes. Hydraberg, this was your pick. Why'd you pick Night of the Creeps? Uh, I picked this film because it's just this film 
is one of the first horror films that I remember seeing when I was young. I have a, a little thing in my notes about it later. I'll talk about it. But um, it's just it's a film that stuck with me over the years. It's always the box art always like jumped out at me at the at the rental store. And uh, I don't know. It's a different take on like a zombie film as well. It's got Tom Atkins in it. It's got some great one liners. Um, I don't know. And it's just like it's one of those quintessential like 80s, you know, like funny, schlocky sort of films. Mm-hmm. And I dig that. Um, so, yeah. And I just it's school related. Right. So it happens on campus and sorority and mm-hmm. fraternity. And like I thought that would, you know, be a good pick for our horrors in school month. So, yeah, I'm is. loving this theme, you guys. Me too. Yeah, It's a cool theme. It's different. I like it. I'm liking y'all's picks. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, cool. Let's decide whether Night of the Creeps fucks or sucks. Hydroberg, what say you? Uh, this is a nostalgic fuck for me, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it thrills me. A fuck that really takes you back. Yeah. <laughs> His first one. Oh. John, what about, about you? Guys? Uh <clears throat> God, I'm with Hydroberg on this one. It's uh it's a nostalgic fuck, but it, it's a sci-fi slasher zombie movie mm-hmm. without spoiling it. Um, but it did something different uh, than anything else in the 80s. So it's a fuck for me. How about you, Jacqueline? So I'm in a little bit of a different boat from you guys. Um, this was not a nostalgic fuck for me because this was actually my first time seeing it. Whoa. So, yeah, but I, it's, I don't know. Just it's not, sometimes there's no accounting for what has slipped through the cracks for me and what hasn't. But this is one of those that slipped through the cracks. And so um, but I really enjoyed myself watching this movie. And so Hydraberg, I'd say this was a great new fuck for me. <laughs> <clears throat> a brand new. It's, it's it, yeah, it's um, it was it was a lighthearted fun fuck, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. One that you can watch when you're not feeling like you don't want something too serious. You know, sometimes you're sometimes you want a lighthearted horror film. And this is as far as like under the radar. This is a film that does do it has gotten under people's radars. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I'm glad you picked it. So thank you. Yeah. Well, John, you want to drop that spoiler warning so we can spoil it? Certainly. uh, Night of the Creeps from 1986. We're going to be talking about this movie in its entirety. If you've not seen this movie. Pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back to find out what we thought about it. All right, Heiderberg, do you have a reach around for us, or is your carpal tunnel getting in the way? <laughs> I do have. Uh, we talked about that before the show. Nobody knows about that, right? No, they don't. Okay. Anyway, I'm suffering with carpal tunnel lately, so feel bad for me. Anyway, no, I'm good. It hurts a little bit when I scroll on my phone with my thumb, but I'll be all right. Oh, well, it's not the thumb. No. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I was trying to make light of an unfunny thing. Yeah. You guys ready for me to uh, thrill you? Yes. Oh, yeah. Thrill me. All right. <clears throat> 1959, late one night, a meteorite streaks in light. As lovers kiss in black and white, phallic aliens in space fight over what they think is right. An experiment is jettisoned and lands on a planet it's never been. As Johnny goes to check it out, a space slug enters through his mouth. His date is cut into different places, but Johnny's been frozen in cryostasis. Officer Cameron had to pick up the pieces of what remained of his high school sweetness. 
Flash forward 27 years as frat boys party pounding beers and awkward teens deal with fears, attracting girls and respect from peers. They attempt to prank, but fuck it up. Now space slugs slither and cause them up. This, the dance is just days away, but the creeps are here to stay. They enter through your mouth and fester, but JC makes jokes like a jester. He thinks he and Chris the ones to blame. They multiply inside your brain and split your skull. It's quite insane. JC figures out these parasites true weakness, but it's too late. He caught the creepness. Chris succumbs to his desires, a tuxedo. Now his new attire as he learns their weakness fire. The new the good news is your dates are here, not drunk on booze and cans of beer because they are dead. Your biggest fear. But everything will be just fine. A copper dork and the babe, the final line. So pop your tops. It's Miller time. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, that was so good. That was like it was a little long. Better, it just kept... That was better than it really had any right to be. That was really <laughs> good. I cannot believe that you rhymed cryostasis. <laughs> what the fuck? I bow down to the master. Yeah. You rhymed cryostasis for heaven's sake. Yeah. That was How badass good. was it to have Tom Atkins in this movie? Oh, I loved him. It's so weird how he's this badass during these these films, because I watched I watched Halloween this weekend, Halloween three also. OK, I went to the retro picture show and saw that in the theater. And then I watched it at home again because I just needed some more. And uh, we may or may not be covering that soon. So, <clears throat> yeah. So uh, he is he is like a sex symbol around this time, which is sort of weird. I don't know. It doesn't strike me as one, but hey, that's the way he's written into these films okay so there are uh very few people that can like carry a mustache right so i'm yeah. selling for sure right oh uh-huh. fuck yeah weird al yankovic okay okay uh, the guy from sleepaway camp <laughs> and tom atkins right sure you're talking about the owner of the camp at sleepaway camp oh no you're talking oh, about the, the, cop. The, the, the cop oh good pull good pull <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah i don't know if i don't know if tom atkins can live up to old magnum pi but uh oh fuck that i don't know he might get he might get laid just as much as magnum pi he does i mean i'm sorry i don't he doesn't come across as a sex symbol to me no not the way didn't we do the fog can we We do the fog sure we haven't done it we can oh we oh you might have done it in a past life yeah maybe you did it on horror for you sorry yeah so like right off the Oh, what were you going to say? Sorry, I was going to take it back to the beginning. So you go ahead. Yeah, I just really love the opening, like the creepy tone of the film sets, with the, the, the music and the title sequence, the way the, the, oh, the way dude. the words are forming in the title sequence. If for a minute there, you could read it as Night of the Crepes, but that might be a totally different film. Night of the Crepes? You're, yeah. Are you hungry, Hyderberg? You're talking <laughs> about pastries and Bavarian yeah. cream and crepes. But so you, <laughs> you want to talk about IHOP? <laughs> uh, you want to talk about the little aliens? Yes, can uh, we please go. Can we go all the way to the beginning for a second? I want Jacqueline please? to talk about this. I get like I have my feelings about it. Go ahead, Jacqueline. Well, I just have to say that for the first five minutes of the film, I went on such an emotional roller coaster because <laughs> I <laughs> so <laughs> I'm getting some shit on this on the straight chilling slack for having chosen uh as my you pick. Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 for the next week's upcoming episode. So I watched one and two it. this weekend because of you. So did I. Yeah, but... I watched them both. So I'm Is catching there a, a little... horse in that. Yes, there there's a there's the a horse. Entire second film is a horse constantly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not constantly, but it is a lot. It's just a way to stuff his wife in there. But anyway. 
Yeah. Anyway, but so I've been taking some shit, particularly from Hyderberg. <laughs> I know it's all in good fun, but I was feeling a little defensive. And so when I started Night of the Creeps and these weird fucking like felt suited frozen giant head penis alien things running around with these stupid <laughs> expressions on their faces oh my god uh Shooting i felt lasers. a little bit of i felt a little bit of righteous indignation like how dare you hydraberg give me shit for choosing rob zombies halloween I too i literally forgot that this was in them in the movie <laughs> you're choosing this total totally bullshit as it started I was, like, I was like oh shit i forgot about the aliens it's like back of me yeah <laughs> i was like hydraberg what the fuck have you chosen because again i've never seen this movie before yeah. and I was like, what the fuck have you chosen and how dare you give me shit for this it, so it but luckily that that yeah that part was only a couple minutes max right i mean that's yeah they could have figured out a better way to get the the slugs on earth than that so but i was rolling my eyes hard and really preparing myself for a bad bad movie i was like oh god but then it switches to the black and white which I love of the movie. I oh, loved it. I oh my gosh. Yeah, nineteen right? Yeah, yeah, it really yeah. felt like a 1950s B movie. Like the black yeah. and white looked perfect. And the lettering. The lettering, like the it looks like um it looks like that magazine, that old magazine, like mm-hmm. famous monsters of filmland with the drippy, brightly yeah. colored letters. And um, I mean, it really felt like the 1950s. They got all the hairstyling just right and all the cars and the music and the mute. Everything just um, the music was really, great. It was like makeout music. Yeah, as, it really as, worked. As we've gotten older, is it awesome to watch subtitles? Because it was like uh, Frankie Avalon or whatever it was like mm-hmm. playing yeah. over what was happening. I loved the black and white with the uh uh, disposition of the the, the color the lettering yeah yes. I, I thought that was dope i i, I was like this is actually really cool it looks and great they're they pan really- down and they show it says sorority row yeah like, yeah cool, back to last week's yeah I, I totally planned that by the way guys totally. yeah, oh yeah I'm sure that's why know. i picked this film i just didn't want to say it before during how, yeah. how about the unibrow unibrow oh, I was gonna so get many connecting themes this month unibrow oh my god Sorority but that's skipping to the 80s <laughs> but uh no i i kind of was hoping that the whole film would just take place in the 50s with the black and white and then i was kind of bummed out that it didn't but it was it was still good so it was, yeah, I really dug to... the black and white. I thought it was a really cool touch. And like you said before, John, like this movie's so many different things. Like we got the foam alien suits in the beginning, weird, like schlocky sci-fi stuff, a la like critters or something like that, you know? And then like you got uh, the black and white slasher stuff going on with the escaped convict, you know, trope. Well, that's, the... what, that's what it was. Like... It was like a sci-fi slasher zombie movie. And I don't think in the 80s that it was like necessarily specific to you know it was just it was three different subgenres of horror movies and i went oh my god i forgot how fun this movie was all but all while being like a bitching 80s movie at the same time absolutely you watch you watch it now out of the 80s and it's like total 80s film but with all these other subgenres thrown in there it's weird it's like noir cop stuff too like I guess if you're watching this in the 90s, you were like, this is shit. But like us watching it in 2022, you're like Tom Atkins, sci-fi, 
slasher, zombie, sci- uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, exactly. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like this movie's dope. Yeah, so during- being 35 years removed from the 80s, it's yeah. like it, it works on a nostalgic level. But yeah, being in the 90s, it was a little too close still that it probably just seemed crappy. Sure. Then, but during, uh, during the black and white scene with uh, Pam and Johnny, when Johnny goes to check out like the meteorite. Yeah. There's a bit of dialogue I wrote down that's hilarious. Uh, Pam's waiting for him and she just hears on the radio about the escaped convict and then realizes that they're in his fucking path. Like the exact road that they, the news said he was on. She looks up and sure enough, they're on that road. Yeah, she, good. she's like, yeah, she pulls on the headlights and, yeah, and, and you see the sign like three miles from yeah. whatever college. And-, uh-huh. and so, you know, that dude's anywhere. He's really close. Right. And she's starting to bug out. And she's like, Johnny can we go back to the point now? And he's deep in the woods, checking out the meteorite. And I just love, she goes, I'll even let you fondle my breast. <laughs> yes. I love that. That was wow. so hilarious. That little, oh my God, yeah. that was funny. there's a lot of tongue in cheek nods. I mm-hmm. think to the tropes from, from those oh, yeah. types of movies that clearly influenced him. This guy, Decker, the, the director and writer, he totally wears his influences on his sleeve very proudly and is not like hiding it at all. Like, so do you- do you want to jump into trivia on that real quick? Because I have sure. I'm sure we all. all know, I'm name. sure we all noticed it. Like immediately. yeah, every character's name is a, is a director or somebody from horror or a film creator. Ramy. Yeah. So yeah, there's Ramy Cronenberg, Cameron, yeah, Cronenberg, Christopher Romero, Romero, yeah. Ray Cameron, JC is John Carpenter. Yeah. Oh shit! Detective <laughs> Landis and Sergeant Ramy. Those are the the ones that I've picked up on. And then there's De Palma. Oh, is there? Nice. Yeah, there, he mentions De Palma. There's no and... Spielberg. No, um, but the 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 Jesus. university is called Corman University. Oh, okay, okay. Roger Corman. Oh, oh I didn't even notice that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Who else? Let's see. Um, oh, Decker did uh, Monster Squad. Yeah, officers Dante and De Palma for um, Joe Dante. Yep. Oh, and sweet. And was that it? It was even more than I thought. Yeah, almost everybody, like almost every name, basically. How bad did you feel for JC? That was the most frightening scene of the movie. Like when he when he's in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah, but he did the recording and left it for Chris. I actually that scene got me. Even the first time I seen this, and I was super young because I think this film does a good job at sort of like humanizing these characters. Yeah, they're in this outlandish, crazy movie. But like the relationship between Chris and JC is like realistic. Like they, they're you could tell they're buddies, like they care about each other. And like even Tom Atkins character has some depth. It's a little comical, but like it's like overdone. But I think on purpose, obviously. But yeah, I thought the relationship between Chris and JC is so believable that when when he does die, yeah, it's fucking it's like heartbreaking. It is, and Jacqueline brought up Revenge of the Nerds. It's almost like uh, Lewis and Skolnick, or whatever they are. Poindexter? Yeah, Poindexter. <laughs> it was almost like that. It was like, you know, their relationship, they were so close. I, I actually kind of love the fade out of them, like, having a little pillow fight. It was like, oh, we couldn't get the, uh, the, uh, the, the corpse, but, you know, they're still best buds. Yeah. And that JC, like him leaving that that uh, voice message on the little tape recorder, I was like, that was smart. I also like the I've always liked that they like 
he's a main character and he's got a disability and they didn't shy away from that. Like a lot of films, especially back then, wouldn't have casted a guy as like with a disability as like your main character, I feel like. Well, and he brought it up too. It was like, you know, without a crutch. And yeah. it's like, oh yeah, he oh, was oh, oh. by himself without the uh, crutches when he was taken over by the parasite. Right. right. Yep. Um, yeah, so I, I have a little trivia fact about that, that when um, Decker, the director, was asked, like, why did you have this character on crutches or why did you have a character with a disability like this? He's like, well, there wasn't really a reason not to. And just because, I mean, we just don't really notice it in the film, right? Like, he's just, that's just his character. It doesn't have to be about him being yeah, it's disabled. Just it's just, that's who the character is. So that's it. And, and there's not really a reason disabled, for it. Go to college. Like, it's not like we got to hide them or something like <laughs> you know yeah that's what i loved about it like it doesn't have to be about that he it can just be part of his character mm-hmm. um but he, i think he might have been my favorite character in the movie yeah. um i thought his humor was really witty and hilarious and it felt realistic like a funny friend that you have it doesn't feel overly written or overly scripted it feels like the way a funny friend might talk like yeah. when they're having that first exchange outside of the um the fraternity house or whatever. And uh, Chris is kind of watching Cynthia from afar and talking about her for the first time to JC. And he's like, Oh, she's going into the beta house. And JC's like that bitch. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> just one funny quip after another. And it just sounds like the way friends would really speak to each other it felt very authentic. And then he's, he's a true friend He's brave. He goes through a lot of hell just to help his friend. Yeah. You know, going through this whole scheme to for this like stupid hazing task that they give him. And which he even you know, they have an argument about later. He even says how they have a he's, he's real with his friend. He's like, yeah. you're being a prick and I'm trying to help you out. And all you do is bitch and moan. And like, of course, you're going to be depressed all the time because that's how you see that you're always, yeah. there's always something to be unhappy about with you. And Chris, so it's like some Chris real had shit. a girlfriend. Yeah. Chris had a girlfriend. It was like, Oh, you complain about this girl, whatever her name was, and now you meet this other girl and you can't do that. Was JC the harbinger of the movie? Uh, you, you guys I don't got silent. I thought he was. I thought he was. Because he actually said something uh, at the police station is like, you know, I'd rather have parasites infect my brain then oh yeah i mean he does say that but don't they already know at that point that parasites are infecting people's brains oh okay not at all he actually he seems like the kind of guy that would grow up to write and direct a film just like this you know what i mean like (laughs) that's the kind of guy he is i would hope Uh, so um but yeah so that that is a good character sorry oh i'm sorry can i just say one last thing about jc um yeah, but so I feel like he's really a well-rounded, fleshed-out, authentic character. He's not a cardboard, you know, stereotype. Like, mm-hmm. he's the funny friend, but he's also a loyal and true friend who tells him the truth to his face. Mm-hmm. And then he has that very heartfelt message at the end where, I mean, I don't think, especially in the 80s, I don't think we see enough of men being comfortable expressing heartfelt yeah. emotions to other men. And in this recording, he shares his true feelings and tells him what he means to him as a friend. And he's like, I love you, man. And that's like his last message to him. And so that's why the, yeah. it has that emotional impact because you, 
you care about him, you care about their friendship, you feel like it's real. And so it really feels sad because when, when you see him like it, 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 in the basement, he's like face down, but you see all these burnt up uh, slug things burnt up and he's dead. And then, you know, Chris kind of reacts of like, oh my God, my best friend's dead. Yeah. You know, he, he had to go down there and see for himself yeah. too. Yeah, for sure. And I think it makes Chris's turn into his like hero moment realistic too, like believable because he wasn't that guy originally. But I feel like that last message from JC and everything, like him hanging out with Tom Atkins a little bit and like feeling a little bit more confident in himself and then getting the girl, he just feels like, you know what, like, right needs to be done even though it's you know it's a it's a schlocky moment uh, he's got a fucking tuxedo on and a what's it called a fucking uh flamethrower flamethrower on his back but that's a good point though hydroberg i agree with you yeah it sorry feels- what were you gonna say about cynthia i interrupted you oh just as far as like characters go i'm glad they didn't they didn't make her like the shallow bimbo either like yeah okay she's like a girl from that time so she's like a little shallow i mean but She's a friend. I mean, she's a uh, sorority sister. Like, so that's sort of like the cliche. But uh, like, she was a nice person, you know. And like, she realized that the guy she was dating was a fucking douchebag. She dropped him immediately, which I, I love. respect you know that. I mean? Yeah, like she didn't too like, often. These she didn't like beat around the bush and stay with him longer until he was like a total douchebag. Like once she saw any sign of him being a douche, she was like, "No, you're a dick. I'm out of here." And I dig that. Like. Well, they, pretty cool character. They kind of kicked it out of the window as far as the cliche of like her getting naked because you saw her naked. Yeah. Like change that make clothes. You feel <laughs> I was very turned on, by the way. Well, I was <laughs> it fit the it fit the scene. Hydroberg, you sounded like a therapist for how did that make, How'd you, that make feel? you feel? <laughs> if I could uh share a memory real quick. Sure. Of the first time I saw it, but we, no, I'm just kidding. Um no, so this film uh I saw this film when I was like seven or eight. I rented this film from from 7-Eleven, which uh, there was a, there was like, I don't think this was like a thing for all 7-Elevens, but there was one by me because they're privately owned. Like you can own your own 7-Eleven and run it a little differently than all the rest. I'm sure. It had like a shelf for VHS rentals, which was pretty like awesome. I've like never right seen that before. Story. Yeah, it was really cool. And uh, my babysitter, who was also my neighbor and a close family friend, she was like 10 years older than me. Um, and so she was really into horror and she's one of the reasons I got into horror also her and my mom. Um, and so we rented this together. Like one night she was going to babysit me and we went to the Seven Eleven to pick something out. And this is what we got. And like, I just remember just even the title, like the screen, uh, the, not the title screen, but I mean, the front of the box was just creepy to me. It was the image of like the prom date, like just looking through the glass, the broken glass of the, the doorway. And it's like, he's like a zombie. And it just like scared the crap out of me. And so like I got through the entire film, but this is like one of the first films I remember actually giving me nightmares. Like really? Had, yeah, I had nightmares after it. And I often get nightmares, but this film definitely did it to me. What was this? Did scene? you like snuggle up with the baby sister? With the baby I don't remember. She was hot. I remember that though. I bet you snuggled uh, up with her, you old yeah. dog, you. <laughs> what was the scene though? That you made that made oh, you I don't- do that? I don't know. Like, I think it was just the idea of like these slug things, like getting in your mouth, which is so easy to happen. And then like, I don't know, like they burst your head open. These guys heads just like burst open. And like I at the time, I'm seven or eight. I didn't get all the in jokes like the jokes. To me, it was just a horrific film. It was like a bunch of dudes died in a bus. And next thing you know, they're all zombies and their heads are exploding. But 
multiple slugs coming out. And then the, even the, like JC's death got me as a kid. Cause as a kid, I was just like, Oh man, he died. Like, Oh God. You know? Yeah. Just, I just remember this. That's why this film kind of stuck with me since right. a kid, like that memory of it. I kind of love Tom Atkins line. Uh, when I guess which was- one, <laughs> all of them, all yeah. of them. Uh, no, it was actually uh, he, the, the first time we really see him. He goes down to the uh, the where they find the corpse. Yeah. And he goes, this is like a bad beat movie or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I love those like, little winks into oh, the camera, you know, those little yeah. moments. Yeah. It was like breaking the fourth wall right there. It was I like bit, that. a little bit. Do you guys feel like this movie may have inspired Slither? Yeah, absolutely. I- yeah, James Gunn saw this movie when he was younger. Yep. Must have, right? Yeah. yeah. The like, slithering slug. There's so much similarities to it, except Slither goes into more of the body horror sort of. Yeah. Uh, like monster sort of uh, aspect of it, where this stays in like the zombie sort of, um, you know, sub subgenre. But yeah, both, both pretty good films. We've covered both now. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, this movie really stayed in the sci fi slasher zombie movie. Like the flashbacks with uh, Tom Tom Atkins character. Oh, <laughs> how badass was that? Like, like sitting in a tuxedo and he sees his high school girlfriend just pop out of the water, just totally dry. He's uh, like, I don't know. His character is like really harsh. Like, <laughs> one-liners are like so cheesy that like they come left and right. And then like, I know but you love it. Like, if, I don't know if you like that sort of thing. It's just like it works. He even drives like a 50s police car, even in the 80s. Mm. Yep. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's got the old timey fucking police siren. Like, wow, wow, wow. You're right. I kind of yeah. hadn't noticed. I guess I like sort of subconsciously that noticed that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hydrobird, that's a good observation. He's stuck in the past. He is. Yeah. He's haunted by the past and can't move forward. Yeah. I kind of love his line of thrill me. Thrill me. I kind of like that too. Yeah. I mean, Throughout the movie, throw me. It's a little come hither. A little yeah. bit. Throw me. <laughs> um, how do you guys feel about the special effects in the movie? Loved it. They've Loved aged them. a little bit, but they're good. No, they're like, so like, good. I think the I think the slugs themselves are done really well. I don't know how they did them, but they they the way they wiggle and it doesn't. They're probably on a string or something like that, but it doesn't look that way. No, no. I I, I love the special like effects, it. and I like the gore. Yeah. There are a couple special effects that are like so so like the axe killer when he turns around like his his like withered body looks a little dated. But I think a lot of the zombie faces that have like, like fresh corpses like those look really good because they're still shiny and like gooey looking. And when yeah. their heads crack open, they're pretty cool because they literally did look like they packed these things with little slugs and like had them eject out of the heads. When they when the gunshots go off. Did yeah. Return of the Living Dead come out before this oh, i think it was before was it 1985 because that corpse kind of reminds be you of, of the it corpse from, yeah. yeah it reminds me of the tar zombie oh it reminded me of the the woman that they get on the the table in the embalming uh in the embalming room okay I'm just the way her, her skin was so dried out that's how he kind of looked yeah return of the living dead was 1985 okay so it came out a year before yeah Interesting. 
Yeah, I I really liked all the special effects too. Even even when they looked a little bit dated, I still thought they were effective and gross and yeah, charming. Like, like I really animals. liked the exploding head and the splitting heads and the all the slugs. The only I will say the only effect that I did not like at all was at the very end where you have the giant pile of slugs. Yeah. It just looked, it looked like too claymation. fake. Yeah. yeah it look, well, it looked yeah. too fake. I don't know what they did there. It was like a little sped up and too many of them were moving like in perfect unison. Yeah. Like certain, certain ones were going to jump out at a certain time. And those were the only ones that stood out. You yeah. saw the parents were moving like. Yeah. Something like extent. that. Yeah. I didn't, I did not like that. Although I will say at that moment, visually, I don't think it worked. But the sound at that moment was very oh, the wiggly, creepy. The they had this kind of squirming, squeaking sound that's yeah, supposed gross. to be all the billions of slugs there, and that was that was actually I mean, really like getting under my skin. With those things, what they didn't really touch on that. If there's like a hive mind with oh. them, they didn't really touch creepy. on any of that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I did like individually. So- they were fast, which yeah. creeped me out. They went down there because of the brains, right? That were down yeah. there. Yeah. Yep. 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 What about the dog jumping into the uh, bus? Like, yeah, the he's the one dog. that. Yeah, he, I kind of wanted to see his head split and a bunch of. <laughs> so did I. But I love that he's like, he infects all the fucking dude bros, and they're like, <laughs> "Let's get done, bros or dudes or whatever." So to touch on that, there's a lot of dude bros in this film. This is actually one of the films that helped create the Cooter segment on Straight Chilling. This it one, this I believe, and the dentist from, um, what's it called, uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Okay. Were the two, like Brad and and him, were like two of the main guys that that Justin would would touch on. That like these guys remind me of what they, you know, the boys called the cooter, and then they described what a cooter was to us, the audience of their show. And then, like over time, like next couple episodes, I believe it came became one of their segments. All right, next week, I'm going to, like, on my uh, uh, Zoom, it's going to say Johnster. The Bradster. He's such a douche. Who calls yourself the, hey, babe, it's the Bradster. Oh, my God. (laughs) He was the quintessential blonde-haired, like, douchebag villain. He was. He was like Draco Malfoy. And it looks so bad. I mean, like like Johnny from uh, Karate Kid. Uh, Well, she even insinuates that he's a white supremacist. Yeah. Did she Did you catch that? She was like, oh, no. don't you have some goose stepping to get back to or something? Oh, really? Yeah. Or something to that effect. She says, goose, shouldn't you be goose stepping somewhere or something to that effect? Wow. I mean, do I read that right to me? That that sounds like she's insane. No, I guess. He's I, like didn't a Nazi. I didn't even pick. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's I, a good pickup. Yeah. Cynthia um, was a babe. He was a douche. Yeah, she was hot. She was too hot for him. Oh, my God. Mm, far too hot. <laughs> I like uh, her and blue eyes, but yeah, they even do they do the tropey cat scare in this film. But I don't know; it just always makes me laugh when movies do that. If <laughs> I love the cat, yeah. no cat scare. I wrote in my notes, "zombie cat face!" Exclamation yeah. point. It's but then like a worm I, coming out of it. But then I had to cry a little bit because my cat. I had a black cat until last uh, summer, and her name was uh, Zombie. Oh, uh, uh, wow. yeah, her name was Zombie. That's, yeah, wow. On the she nose died. Right she died last summer, and I still mourn her to this day. A little I, corp- I thought the corpse of Johnny coming back with the flowers to Cynthia because that's all he knew. Like at the time he died in the fifties, like he went back to the sorority house and just his head no, split it- open with all the slugs coming. I could have sworn you see the head split on him, but I 
the version I watched, it was just like it go. You see it open a little bit and then the slugs just are on the ground. Right. Maybe I'm having a Berenstain Bears moment, but I thought his head split open too. It start like you see a split a little bit, but it's not as yeah. it doesn't split like the other ones do later on in the film. Oh, At least uh, on the Pluto version I watched, but I I thought it had like totally split, but I could be wrong. I could have just been. No, you, you you don't see it. I mean, you just see it spill up on the ground. Yeah. Scattered. And then, so cue the next scene right after that happens. Uh, Ray or Tom Atkins character he shows up. And the coroner's examining Johnny's body on the front steps of the sorority house. And he's eating a fucking sandwich, which is oh like my God. the most tropey fucking yes. like corner eating yes. something on the job. Like, it's not he- like uh, Jason goes to hell. Yeah. So this guy does that at least two to three times in this film. No, he does it every single time he's on. Screen. You see him. Yeah. Something like like the one a Twinkie thing- in that one scene when the corpse gets up. Right. David Penn. Gotta eat. David Paymer gets up and he put, but he puts a gum piece of gum in, in his mouth and he's like, "All right, let's go." And I just think it's so funny that some of these movies always have that trope of the coroner eating <laughs> on the job. I uh, like the coroner. He had some. He had a, a one or two good little lines in there, like yeah, some little quippy things. I can't remember, but he says a couple of little quippy. I wrote things. it down. Uh, when so when the house mother gets killed, when she's just staring at the floor as an animated corpse, reanimated corpse just burst through her floor. She's just looking at it. Like, oh, that's odd. Mm-hmm. That wasn't there before, you know. It's like she's <laughs> like, get up. I know you're panicking a little bit, but just like, come on. So when Ray shows up at that scene, the coroner comes out of the house eating again. <laughs> He's got a sandwich in his hands, and he says, "If I had a stretcher for every piece, we'd hi- we'd be here all night." <laughs> yeah, I, think that was I remember it. that. He's like, I think that was cringy. it. But I, I liked him. I thought it was kind of funny and charming. Yeah. Yeah. I also like I like how the um the one that comes up through the floor and gets the house mother, it was the body of yeah. the axe murderer that the detective killed years before. I what do you that. think about the story when when he tells Chris that and they're having a drink and he's calling him spanky? I don't know why he's calling him spanky. He was, I guess of, he was um, referring that they're like rascal. little rascals, right? Little rascals. Yeah. yeah. Him and the other he's one. like, oh, okay. spanky and little Abner. Yeah. So because my nickname in high school was Spanky, actually. So, <laughs> yeah, that's what all my my old friends call me still. But uh, that why you have carpal tunnel now? Oh, my God. Spanky. <laughs> I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. So I'm, I'm sorry. It must I, be all the reach arounds. Yeah, exact, there you go. That's more like it. Like, <laughs> but uh, no, where, where was I? Oh, just Spanky, like the, the story the itself was just pretty like fucked up. Where Tom Atkins just gets like real with him for a second about like losing his the love of his life. And you can just tell like Tom Atkins has fucking been like suffering since that day. Well, once again, I, I like this as an example of like men opening up to each other and feeling like they can share feelings. I mean, I yeah. know that's like kind of putting a kind of a like a snowflake spin on this this movie, but I, I, I like that the men in this movie do yeah. that. And he admits to murder, like <laughs> yeah. to this kid. He's he like, hasn't told anybody about it this whole time. Yeah, but it's like he's he's showing like trust and vulnerability uh-huh. and they the characters in this the most of the male characters in the movie who do this like they are like positioning themselves in opposition to the like fucking Neanderthals <laughs> like like, like Draco Sta- Malfoy, you know. Yeah, or the unibrow guy from the from the dance earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it, it, they're like good examples of more evolved men and I, I appreciate that. I'm like I didn't realize that like Ray's character 
<clears throat> how bad he was suffering because later on when we see him after they've after he's killed he's killed the killer again the axe murderer and he's literally like i've killed you already like he says it out loud in front of the other cops he's like at home he's drinking he's listening to old time music and you like you think like oh shit he's just like he's vibing right now but then you see that he's got the door taped up, which at first I thought oh, was like, oh, my God. But then he's got the gas on and the stove. He was going to fucking kill himself. I love that part because yeah. he's he's got the gas on in the gas stove. He's trying to kill himself. Yeah. And this kid like comes over and says, it saves him. Yeah, for sure. It took me a minute to figure that out, though. I was like, oh, is he concocting a scheme to <laughs> I don't know. What I he thought was he was trying to first. keep the slugs out at first with the tape. Yeah. And nope. then you see then nope. you see him turn off the stove. Yeah, he's trying to kill himself. And he's like, fuck <laughs> it. We'll go out and we'll fight these things. Yeah. Yeah. He lights uh, a cigarette. That thing is going. Yeah, that's it. That was, that was probably his next move. He yep. was either going to kill himself from carbon monoxide or he was just going to light a butt after that drink. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then blow up. So and I was like, wow, that's pretty fucking dark, actually. Very... Well, then he kind of parallels that with the way he blows up the sorority yeah, house. Later, he's end. still going to do it anyway. Yep. I like really like the montage too of the frat and sorority getting ready for the dance. Like as the slugs are slithering around campus, like making their way to the next victims, like looking for people to infect, and like everybody's just getting ready, like oblivious to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Right. There's so some very cool. '80s like makeup trends and hair trends oh, that yeah. are happening in this movie. It's oh, yeah. very like. 80s standards of beauty and and fashion and i don't know about you john but when guys get ready together we always smear uh shaving cream. <laughs> yes we do yes yeah. we do good to know shaving cream on your face <laughs> <laughs> gotcha <laughs> wait till the bradster hears about this one the bradster <laughs> actually that's what his license plate said bradster no did yeah, it it did <sighs> You think he tells her to call him that during sex? (laughs) (laughs) Probably. One time I met this guy uh, when I was in college and we met out at like a a social and he called me later and left me a voicemail and he's like, Hey, Jacqueline, it's me. Uh, I'm going to give him a fake name. It's, it's me, Jim, or you can call me trick daddy. Oh Oh my God. (laughs) Trick daddy. I was like, (laughs) Wow. I'm not going to call you that. Yeah, I'm not going to. I'm not going to call you at all. <laughs> Actually, I did. I dated him for yeah. several months and he was. A oh, great my guy. God, Jacqueline. I, no, he turned out to be a great guy. I think he was just like nervous and trying to like <laughs> come off cool. Ra- that was his rapper name. Trick he, was, he was like the most straight laced guy ever, actually. So I do not know where that comment came from. His name was but... Trick Daddy, but he was like hung like a squirrel. I mean. I'm not going to comment yeah. on that, but did he have a oh boy, did he have a personal license plate that said "Trick Daddy" on. No, he's like, <laughs> no, he was like a very upstanding, straight laced, kind of rather serious person, and so I. No, he wasn't. He he was. No, I think it was just like a moment it. of nervousness. Yeah, he was just trying to be funny. Yeah, but well, maybe it was like, a callback to something during the the first date that you guys had that he he thought you remembered. Daddy. Yeah, maybe I forgot it. Yeah. yeah, maybe that's what it was. But he he was a very nice person. But where'd you go cringy. to college? Uh, I went to Vassar in upstate New York, and then I went to Florida State. Oh, go Knowles! It's me, Trick Daddy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the guy who made you screaming like banshees. <laughs> I like yeah. that guy. 
He really liked that phrase, didn't he? Screaming he like fucking loved hearing it. As if like he he was laughing at it as if he wasn't the one that fucking said it or something. <laughs> yeah. ah, screaming like banshees. This movie was actually <laughs> he was it to himself. This movie was very racist. <laughs> because they made, I did take that as a little like he was the Asian I, guy. He was like yeah, the Asian guy was like the thick Asian like, accent portrayed as okay, that's all I can say. Like a banshee. Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Hey, hold on a second. It's like how about being an actual cool. character? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. Was, just he was a little Asian cartoony. Guy. Yeah. A little cartoony. A little they bit. were still doing a lot of that in the 80s. And with um that Asian character in that John Hughes movie, Long yeah. Duck Dong. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> candles. That was 16 candles, right? Yep. I always get 16 candles and pretty and pink mixed up. Oh, was it? I don't I'm not super I don't know fan. which one it is. What's that happening? Hot, hot. Yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. Which movie is that? Is that Sixteen Candles? It is. Okay. Um, yeah. When the bus crashes, did you guys see the? Did you see the eyes on the bus driver for like a split second? I did. Yeah, it was like a fake yes. head, right? Bulge out, like yeah, but they bulge out like large marks. Yes. Yeah. It's really weird, as if he was in shock of the accident. Like, oh my god. <laughs> like, <Yep. laughs> yeah, I rewound that a couple of times. Like, what? I was like, what the fuck? I don't remember that. Which is why. I love the shot of the dog <laughs> in there, like turning everybody. Yeah. And then they come crawling out. Like one of them's missing a leg, but he's still. Yes. Like, and they instinctually go, go pick up the girls. They go pick up their dates, which cues another great Tom Atkins line. Hey girls, I, mean, I got good news and bad news. The good news is your dates are here. the bad news is they're dead. That is a great line. <laughs> he's Very like memorable. chomping on a cigarette. He is. Oh, that God. scene with Brad too was awesome where fucking Chris melts him and it just says, sorry, Brad, nothing personal. <laughs> All back to earlier. When I love when uh, Cynthia gives him the little like fishing reel. Boop, yeah. With the, little, with the middle finger up. That's when I was like, yeah, she's all right. Like she's yeah. literally like, fuck you, Brad. Like you're I think she does that after he kicks the crutch out yeah. from under JC. Exactly. Like, fucking asshole. But she also beats the trope of like her getting naked in this movie. Like you see her nude and it's well shortly, but it, it, it's like she survives. I yeah. love Tom Atkins of well, she didn't have sex, that's why. That's true. <laughs> yeah, she didn't commit the ultimate sin. Yes, no. sex in the 80s. Sex Tom in Atkins. the 80s, specifically. Yeah. The ultimate sin, yeah. Tom Atkins, yeah, yeah, Tom Atkins says so many like tropes in this movie. It's like, no, Bozo the Clown, no, um, what was it, the uh, Bullwinkle the Moose? Oh, yeah, yeah, so many references. <laughs> I like when he bugs out after the dates get there and he's in that in the room, uh, he's firing his gun and it's just doing like this spinning effect while he's firing as if he's firing at anybody in the room. <laughs> Like in yes. just a circle, he's like, oh, just firing, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the camera's panning around him, like, oh my god, he's fucking out. Yeah, he just pops their heads up. It's military. <laughs> this movie really is quite a melange, movie. isn't it? It is a melange. A melange. It is actually though. a melange of all it these is. great little tropes and fucking genres, and I dig it. Uh, I like Chris and Cynthia turning into badasses in the end, even though it's like, oh, okay. Like, but it's <laughs> awesome. They got a flamethrower from the police impound because that's a thing. They just happen to have those laying around. I need to rent. And the that was the dick from, uh, that was the dude from, uh, what's it called? Um, Gremlins. 
Oh yeah, oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember the actor's name, but and I, I, just... I love how Tom Atkins just points the gun at him and is like, "I yeah. need it now." He's like, "Okay, oh, like, oh, that's that's how that's something you can like, do." I do not have the the requisition or whatever it was. Yeah, it was. <laughs> he was gonna kill himself before that scene anyway, so he's like, "Fuck it, I don't care about my job." Right. He's not playing by nobody's yeah. rules. And then at the end, he ends up going out like a champ anyway. He takes one for the team. Except. Well, so in the ending, there are two different endings to this film. Mm-hmm. Okay. The one that's playing on Pluto, which is the one that's okay. Don't, don't go to that one yet. Go to the okay. one. All right, so the theatrical ending, the one that I remember the most, is okay. Chris and Cynthia are kissing at the end. Tom Atkins' character sacrifices himself and the place blows up. Okay. Um, and then they said so they're kissing, and a dog uh walks up, which I think is the same dog from the bus scene. Okay. <clears throat> and Cynthia bends down to pet it, and a fucking slug flies out of its mouth, screen goes black. Wow. Okay. But then there's the director's cut, which was released not too long ago. Which is what we all Pluto's thought. airing. Yeah, I kind of thought Pluto would just air the original. I, I didn't expect them to have the directors. And that one is a little different. And that one, Chris and Cynthia are kissing. And then we see Tom Atkins character. Somehow he got out of the fucking building and he's Ford. burned beyond recognition. Yeah, yeah. His hair is gone. His face is he's smoking a cigarette still. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> his mustache is gone. Yeah. The mustache is gone. So he's just not quite as sexy. <laughs> not qu- no, he's yeah. not quite as sexy. When yeah, he's, he's, still a, he's still a sex person. machine. I mean, it's still Tom Atkins, but he's just he's not as sexy. Not as sexy. He can only bang half the chicks, not all of them. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. So uh, and then he's like walking and then he just keels over and his head splits open and a bunch of slugs come out. Yeah. And then you see them slither into a cemetery and then we pan over the wall of the cemetery, which is obviously a fucking model at that point. Like a beautiful I love model. that shot. Yeah. And and we see a spotlight all of a sudden come out yep. and it's the alien ship. It's back. Yes. Looking for all the slugs and they're like panning around with the spotlight, looking for the slugs to like take them back home, I guess. And then that's it. It ends there. Are we to presume that they're looking for like dead bodies to get into their brains? Yes. That's that's Yeah. The slugs are. Yeah. And whoever's on the fucking ship is trying to do cleanup, I guess, because they don't, you know, they don't want to, they're not hosting an intergalactic kegger. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they should. Yeah. I would have loved to see the penis monsters in Men in Black if there was a nod to them. <laughs> That's two films we've done recently with penis phallic shaped monsters and or aliens. Or yeah, you sensing a trend, a trend between that and unibrows. I don't know. Yeah, unibrows. I mean, the guy's Steve, his name was. I don't even remember that in the beginning in this film. Uh, yes. I, I just wrote I down unibrow. He had a good Oh, one he too. tells him. Oh, there's. there's yeah, a I think he tells him his name is Steve. Oh, yeah, there's uh. a call for you. My so which ending theory. do you prefer, though? I like the ending that we got on Pluto. Yeah, I like I the director's cut personally. Yeah, I kind of like that that the way they were crawling into the uh, the the cemetery, and it was like, um, okay. Part of me is like, and I don't know. I lean towards the original because that's the one I remember the most because that's the one that I saw first. But yeah, I mean, I do like the like Tom Atkins walking and sort of like killing over it. <laughs> They're coming out of his head. Yeah. And then they, they cue it back to the aliens, which is one of the cheesiest parts of this movie. But, you know, it is a part of the movie. So them coming back is not like far, you know, they're not far reaching. It's like it's a thing. The aliens were there. It's just taking them this this long to, to come back and clean up their mess, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
So well, Heisenberg, that, if you had to choose one of the endings, which one would you choose if you could only have one? I don't know. Part of me wants to go with the dog one just because it jumps out at you like at the screen and then the screen goes black. Wow. So I like, think they're both good on, endings. Yeah. yeah. Like, so all the people that are down the road dealing with like the fire and the explosion at the sorority, they don't look in the sky and notice this fucking huge alien ship. Yeah. I don't know. But it's a, I don't know. Maybe it's a dumb maybe horror movie. It's not like, yeah. yeah, I don't expect super realism in a film like this. What? Both of them give you this kind of like feeling of like a good ending, but it's not. It's not over yet. Yeah. So, you know, both are fine with me. I mean, like I'd like to assume that the slug doesn't get in Cynthia's mouth, but it attacks her, you know, or something like that. Yeah, and oh, Jacqueline, I would assume that it does. Yeah, yeah Jacqueline, I love the ending of <laughs> going to this graveyard and all these uh, little slugs are going into the ground and reanimating the. Yeah, so. yeah it's going to be, be a sequel. I love yeah. it. To your knowledge, was there ever a sequel planned? Because I didn't see anything Not about that, that in any of my trivia. I don't. This doesn't speaking. strike me as a kind of film that probably did all, like that well when it first came out. But no, I think I read that the box office was a little under six hundred thousand. Yeah. six hundred thousand. I like I said, like I said, I saw it on VHS the first time I saw it. It wasn't even a theatrical thing for me. I was probably a little too young to be watching this film, but what you think? I was like eight <laughs> years old, but my, I had a cool babysitter. She was really cool. And by cool, do you mean hot? I mean hot. Yeah. She yeah. had a snake. She used to let really? me eat it. Yeah. Well, she was a wild girl. It was a boa. <laughs> she was actually really smart. She went to Harvard. She passed away, though. So. Oh, no. Yeah. When she was like 21. Oh, my God. Really? Yeah, it was tough. That's awful. Wow. But she definitely instilled some things in me. Uh, my love of horror. She helped Once- out with foster that. Once again, it's the older women in it's our the women, lives right? who yep. are, it was her who and my are mom. exposing us to these things. Yeah, My brother did take me. Actually, my brother took me to a couple like hangouts with his older friends and they were watching like Friday the 13th there. I remember that like vividly, too. So like, but as far as people like actually introduced me to things, it was like her and my mom. Yeah. Yeah. It's so That's crazy awesome. really how it is. Like so many women are into horror. I wonder why that is such a pattern with so many of us horror fans that it was our, our moms. I don't know, but it's pretty cool. Something, it's something cool to share. It kind of defies the stereotype of like the pearl clutching overprotective mothers. (laughs) Like, no, not my baby. Actually, Yeah. My mom hates horror movies. She's like, why are you watching this? I'm like, I love it. Huge majority of my guy friends, like do not like horror movies. Really? Or they're like, oh, they're like, okay with them. Like, it's like a genre that they'll watch once in a while, but they're not like super into it like I am. You know what I mean? Right. Right. It's so weird to me. Like, I just yeah. don't understand how you could not want to be super into it, but that's just me. I don't know. That's it's my personal cool. bias. But yeah, so my mom gives me shit too. She's like, when are you going to grow out of this? I'm like, mom, you are, <laughs> you are the one who showed yeah. me these movies when yeah, I was what? a kid. And you still watch true crime all the time. And yeah, there's so literally no difference, except yours is you real. Tell, I think that's where a lot of people, a lot of women lean is they go into the true crime and yeah. they really mm-hmm. lean into that. But the same the same thing is like a lot of women just lean into horror instead or like both. I mean, I like true crime. OK, but I wouldn't say I'm into it. Yeah. I mean, I would much rather watch like a horror movie than like a serial killer documentary. I mean, I'll watch a serial killer documentary, but 
it just I just don't have the same like thirst for it the way I do for horror movies. Off topic, um, uh, check out the trailer to Dahmer coming out on Netflix. It's I like, saw oh, yeah. that. Oh my god, yeah, it looks pretty interesting. That looks dope. <laughs> it looks creepy as fuck. Yeah, it does. Hey, my best friend's exorcism is coming out on Netflix soon. Right? Yes. Doesn't that drop yeah, like in a, a week, in a week or two? Too. I think it drops in the week in a week or two. That's a film or a series. A film. It's right? the film. So oh. that's the one. I think I told you guys a while ago. This girl that um, Joey went to college with, she wrote the screenplay for it. Oh, cool! It looks like a yeah. cool, uh, cool tale. It's like I don't know. It's like it looks like there's com- comedic bits as well as like real horror too. So mm-hmm. looks like if it straddles that line well, it could be a really good watch. So I definitely felt that way about the book. Yeah, <clears throat> there was there were some lighthearted stuff in there and some kind of you know chuckles along the way, but then there was some real horror too, yeah. like some really dark, that. fucked up horror. Um, I don't know if the book is for everybody though. There, it was so it, it's set during the eighties, hmm. and I came of came of age like I was an eighties baby, and I sort of came of age in the mid nineties. But still, I there's a lot of references there that girls who kind of grew up in the 80s and 90s is like specific stuff to being a girl at that time and i'm not sure how well that would like go over with men like but specifically the book because so much attention is paid to it i don't know that that's going to be so important with the movie but um like i was texting my best friend like every other day when i was reading the book i was like oh my god you remember this thing and i bring you this book and it's they have swatch watches and all this oh, stuff that we remember from love swatch watches. <laughs> Are they trapper keepers? Probably. Yeah, yeah. You know, trapper keepers. So, lots of lots of eighties details, but uh, but yeah, the two the main characters are girls. So freaky freezers. Freaky freezers. Those are the gloves, the winter gloves. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, honey, in I'm from Florida, Florida, so I know. So <laughs> they would change color based on like how much how wet they get like precipitation really? and coldness would make them change and so they would have an, like an image on them that would like change from the cold it was like a gimmick but it was cool they'd be like a race car and then like the race car would move like down the road a little bit or something oh my god that's funny yeah anyway sorry i think i started a tangent but yeah. anyway do you guys want to let's rate 80s. this fucker. let's talk about the whole 80s um do you guys have anything else you want to say about night of the creeps or should we go ahead and give our ratings let's do it all right, Hydraberg, you hit it first. I did. Uh, so from a pros, this like fantastic gore and camp in this film. Uh, overall, just that whole vibe is just great. And I, I love the score too, like that synthy horror vibe. Like, I didn't get to touch on it earlier, but like, I'm just a sucker for like 80 synth horror. Like, I don't know, like in the right setting and the right movie, like it just it fucking hits like synth. Music, I don't want to, I don't say put it in every movie, but certain movies, it just makes things creepier when done right, you know? And I thought this film has a good uh, blend of that. Uh, speaking of blending, the, the blending of genres is great in this film. Um, hold on one second. My phone bugged out. There we go. Uh, like you got aliens, zombies, cop drama, slasher tropes all mashed together for like a really entertaining film. Uh, may not be for all, but for someone like me, I, I, I dig it. Uh, I also think there's some really decently written characters. Uh, there's a level of humanity and emotion to this film that otherwise you don't normally get from a schlocky like zombie film like this. You know, there's some characters in here that like you generally feel for uh, in a film that normally, you know, wouldn't warrant that. So I dig that and I give kudos to that for the writing. Uh, the nostalgia factor is definitely a thing for me for this film. 
Uh, I may love it more because of that. And I know that's like, that could be a negative as well. Uh, and I acknowledge that, but um, it's definitely going to amp. Uh, like my score is going to be a little higher probably than yours because of that. But uh, there's some cheesy lines in this film though. Like Ray has a large majority of them. And I could see someone the first time watch, if you're not like totally into this sort of part of the genre, like I could see that just being like, this movie's stupid. So I get it. Like, um, but I dig them. I think they're funny. But uh, the penis aliens in the beginning, they're they're pretty bad. Personally, uh, I probably would have done without the whole alien subplot. Like the creeps can be otherworldly without penis men showing up at all. Like <laughs> you could have had the creeps show up. I don't know, some other way. Maybe the creeps are like a S, uh, like a STD that you get from the penis aliens. Like, oh, shit, I got the creeps. <laughs> <laughs> had a wild weekend last week. <laughs> got beamed up the spaceship anyway uh the plot is thin the slugs from space come to earth and wreck havoc uh the week of the dance it's like you know it is what it is it's exactly what i said it was it's like you know stakes on a plane it's it's what it is uh some of the effects i think they work but some of them are a little dated so i could see that being critiqued but for the most part like all the brains and the like heads splitting open like they're pretty great um and, you know, it's a crazy zany plot at points. And I know that could be a negative. But for me, honestly, it's part of the film's charm. So I think this is a fun film. So with that said, I'm going to give 1986's Night of the Creeps. I'm going to give it eight out of ten thrill me's. OK, Very I actually good. started I lower, but I'm like, I really like this film. I kind of want to. It seems like that. it holds a special place in your heart. It does. And I feel like I, you know, I may be giving it a higher score than it deserves. But originally I had it at a seven point five. Which I felt that that seems deserving, but I don't know. It's up there for me as far as nostalgia goes. So I'm giving it an eight. I think that's fair. I think it's. I think it's give okay it to give it. Diablos, right, Just. <laughs> I think it's. I think it's okay to give something a little extra nudge in the score for the nostalgic value that it has in your life. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, John. What about you? Wow, uh, Heisenberg said everything I wanted to say, but. Um... The acting is not good in this movie, um, but it was such a nostalgic movie for me. Um, oh my god, I'm trying to think. Uh, I'm going to give this a 8.5 out of 10. Oh, what was Thrill it? Thrill Maze. Thrill Maze. Thrill Maze. Yeah. <laughs> wow, uh, 8.5 out of 10. Yes. Uh, I, any movie that Tom Atkins is in, and he's like saying the moose or <laughs> you know, a little cliches, he says, but it, it, it's such a fun movie to watch. Yeah, seems like it's got a special place in your heart, too, huh? It really does. So I'm going to go a little higher than Heidelberg. So 8.5 out of Okay. 10, uh, okay. Cool, cool. 8.5 out of 10. Yep. Gotcha. Well, I, you know, I, I was very curious how you guys were going to rate this because it seems like we all enjoyed it, but I, unlike you, did not have that extra sheen of nostalgia that you guys did. It didn't have that veneer for me. Um, so coming to it for, for the first time, I feel like I was maybe a little more critical and maybe like, the the flaws in it were a little more visible to me uh 
But nonetheless, I still thought this was a super fun ride. Yeah, it has some flaws. Like, I think the pacing isn't always great. Like, sometimes certain scenes drag on a little bit too long that it kind of made me feel sleepy. And then other times it feels like scenes begin or like cut to other scenes very quickly that I'm like, wait, what is the context for this? Like, what? (laughs) Uh, Like when we're first introduced to the detective, it's like he's fantasizing about sitting on the beach and seeing the girl. And I'm like, where are we right now? What what's happening? And then he's like dreaming. So just like certain things were a little jarring um so I guess I'm saying like lack of smooth transition so yeah some choppy storytelling some pacing problems I for one do not love Cynthia uh I I think her character is still a little cardboard like yeah she's got a little more to her than the average like girlfriend character like the way she drops the asshole boyfriend which I appreciate but ultimately like there's there's not a lot to her um she's a little flimsy a little flimsy as a character um some of the dialogue could be cheesy but for the most part I actually find that very endearing with these characters and I think it's because of the strength of the writing of the characters of Chris and JC so I think to me that's like the central you know they have the you know the girlfriend and all that but um to me that's the central relationship in the movie and I think it's so well done and so heartfelt that it's I mean I feel like a lot of love and care went into writing those characters, despite the lightheartedness of the, the movie and the tone that it was going for. Um, and so for me, that gives that, that, that gives me like higher stakes when I'm watching the movie. So it actually makes me care more and it prevents this movie from being a throwaway movie, which I think it could have been without that like yeah. emotional hold with the, with the characters. So despite not having a nostalgic past with it, I think it's a very charming movie. I I already mentioned my complaint about the slugs at the very end, but beyond that, I actually really dig the effects. Hyderberg, I'm with you. I love the score in this movie. Mm -hmm. I absolutely adore the black and white 1959 sequence at the beginning. And I still kind of wish the whole movie was in black and white, but I'll take take that opening scene. If that's all I can get, I'll still take it. Um, Overall, I thought it was just like a good little kind of B film that very knowingly pays homage to its influences. I wouldn't say it's ripping anything off so much as, you know, very deliberately like showing reverence for them mm-hmm. by like sort of paying tribute to all those, those influences. So I, I, I find that charming. Um, so I like this. It's a fun watch. I would throw it on if I'm, you know, feeling kind of depressed and want to watch something horror, but not depressing horror. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to throw on Martyrs. I'll throw on Night of the Creeps. <laughs> so uh, overall, I, I think it's a great movie. I, I would give it a 7 out of 10 Thrill Nice. Wow. Yeah. Well done. John, I see you came in higher than I did. I did. I love this it. This is one of those films, though. They're just like, I don't know. Like, I see its flaws, but at the same time, like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like this film. So much fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so and I think that really says something about the film that, you know, you guys have this nostalgic connection to it and maybe that biased your scores. But even without that, that connection to it, I still yeah. thought it was great fun. So I think that that's kind of a test testament yeah. to it. So like, I've seen a lot of films over time, a lot mm-hmm. of horror films, uh, so much so that we now have a podcast where we review them mm-hmm. and 
there was a road I went down to get there. And this was one of those movies that paved that way for me. Like, and so like, I have to give it kudos for that and credit because it's just, it's just always, I always remember it. Anytime someone mentions it or I see a picture of it, I'm like, I instantly remember like renting it. I remember where I got it from and like the whole night of watching it. And I remember the nightmares I had from it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Times. But that's one of the things we chased, right? Being scared, right? Like yeah. I was scared, like John, but you would Halloween, right? You went in the movie, scared the shit out of you. But the next day you were like, I want to do that again. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I want, what's the next movie that does that to me? I know. I know it, it was <clears throat> it, going in my parents' bedroom of, being scared the shit out of that movie and then waking up in my own bed of like, he didn't kill me. <laughs> I Not made yet. it. <laughs> mm. Mm. Let's do this again. Yeah. So you guys are right. I think you really touched on something there. I, I actually kind of think of people who are horror fanatics like us. I think it's almost kind of like a drug addiction. Like yes. you, you have a taste of something early on that's very intoxicating and it it becomes a feeling that you continue trying to chase and recapture, Mm. but the more you do it, the harder it is to get that initial feeling. And so, you you know, in in some cases you kind of keep going to the next level and the next to the next to the next to try to get that feeling back. And for some of us, I think it never happens again. No, like you never get that same feeling as you did at, at that more innocent time of your life. Yeah. Yeah, we're so one, susceptible to those scares at that young age, too. Right. Mm-hmm. One one time you felt like vulnerable and uh, it doesn't happen anymore. You're like, what that more? Mm-hmm. I wonder if you show this film to like someone younger. Like when we were when we saw this film, if they would find it as scary or because, you know, I don't know. Kids are a lot different than we are now than we were. Then, I'll so show it know. to my five-year-old and let you know. Yeah, let's, let's see what he says. You know, <laughs> definitely. Also, John, what if, like, an alternate reality where, what if Tom Atkins played Doctor Loomis in Halloween? Oh boy! Oh my God! Could you imagine him as Loomis? <laughs> no, I couldn't. Because I'd be like trying to sleep with Laurie Strode. <laughs> I vote no. I vote no. Personally, no, no. I've had a couple beers with Lori. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Tell me about this yeah. Michael character. There's <laughs> some bourbon. Smarmy come on. Yeah. Well, well he, you guys... did, he did that in the fog. So mm-hmm. he did. Fun. Well, do you guys want to hear a little trivia? Yes. About this movie? <laughs> yes. I have a few good me. facts left. I, I sprinkled a couple in while we were talking, but I still have a few good ones left. All right. So. We already talked about all the names being famous horror directors. Um, graffiti on the wall of the men's room where JC is trying to escape a number of slugs reads, Go Monster Squad. Mm. Monster Squad was also directed by Fred Decker, 1987. Yes, so he must have been working on that at the time. Uh, the movie that the house mother is watching on TV is Plan 9 from Outer Space. Really? Ed Wood. Yeah. yeah. And um. in the black and white sequence, the, the roommate or whatever's talking on the phone and she's like have you seen plan nine from outer space yet so there's a couple references to that movie um i wonder fair... if that was the house mother like the same character she would be that age. that's a good point yeah Ooh. whoa wow yeah she would have been that age yeah probably well, but what, did we, what did we say the time jump was like 27 years yeah 
Yeah, she I don't know. She looked pretty yeah, yeah. ancient as the yeah. as a house mother. So I don't True. know if that's the same character. She because really she'd probably only be like 45. Yeah. No. So yeah. Um yeah. a fair amount of the film was shot in an old Woolworths department store that was converted into a makeshift studio. Hmm. Uh, in an interview on the Blu-ray, Tom Atkins enthusiastically stated that of all the films he starred in, this is his personal favorite. Nice. Wow. Yes. Yeah. He does have some of the best dialogue in any of his films in this one. Yeah. yeah. He stated that um, director Fred Decker is one of the few that he'd still love to work with. So that's oh. pretty cool. That says something. Uh, oh, Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger play zombie extras. Oh, shit. Isn't that cool? Wow. For listeners who might not know, uh, Greg Nicotero and Howard Berger are the N and B of K and B special effects. And That's Greg crazy. Nicotero, younger viewers might know him mainly as like the the special effects makeup artist for The Walking Dead. Yeah, yeah. And he came artists. up under Tom Sorvini too, Sorvini. right? Like Sorvini. Yeah. Yep. I don't know if that he was like under his two. I know he worked they, they, I think they're contemporaries, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Oh, so Fred Decker originally wanted to shoot the film in black and white. So he was oh. we were on the same wavelength. Can man. you still lower your contrast and stuff and make it like on a TV nowadays? You probably still make this black and white. Oh, I don't know. Tried. I never tried. It might look weird. I don't know. Somebody do that and then tell me because I don't want to like break my TV trying to do it and be able to get it back. Uh, oh, Fred Decker's roommate, Shane Black, oh, wow. worked on worked on the script. Black also cameos briefly in the shot at the police station with the cop on the phone with Detective Ray Cameron. And the next year, Atkins starred in Lethal Weapon, which was Black's first produced screenplay. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Full circle. Um, I already mentioned that before. The script was written in a week. That's pretty good. Wow. That's pretty good. Uh, Fred Decker included every B movie cliche he could think of and insisted <laughs> on directing the script himself. But again, to me, that's just him showing like the things that he loves. So yeah. I appreciate that. <clears throat> oh, I like this one. This is maybe one of my favorite trivia facts. The scene where Chris listens to JC's tape presented a challenge due to um, the playfulness of the actor who plays Chris. I guess it was hard to get him to be serious about anything. He's always cracking jokes. So Fred Decker put photos of atrocities around the oh actor and told him off screen to look at them at various points in the scene. You can see him look at an Auschwitz photo Whoa. at one point because Decker said it was really important to him that he take the scene seriously. Jeez, uh, way to like manipulate your actor's emotions. Here, look at some it, Holocaust it, photos. Hey, it works though. Jesus Christ. It definitely sucks because that scene's key, I feel like, for the film. Totally. It is. It, yeah. I mean, if there was even a hint of humor to it, I think it would yeah. not work. Because like the, the actor who plays JC is definitely delivering on his end on the recording, like in her, oh, yeah. the way his voice sounds like it sounds like somebody who's going to be dying soon. Yeah. And admitting, you know, exactly how they feel about someone that they care about and how they're feeling, too, at this moment, like with a slug in their brain. Well, and especially because he had been so quippy before and so yeah. like kind of. Yeah. clever and and funny but to be totally dead serious like i mean he had the the air of like an older man who knows he's gonna die yeah it's and then if chris had grave. started like smirking a little bit during that scene it would have ruined it it would have ruined it so i guess using the holocaust photos worked yeah i guess uh 
at one moment at 38 minutes in, it says a female second assistant director can be glimpsed in the movie, waving away onlookers so that they wouldn't be seen on camera during a small crowd scene. I couldn't find that point in the movie because Pluto TV includes the commercials in the runtime. And so 38 minutes into the film was not 38 minutes into Uh. the, the Pluto recording. It was like, you know, it was it, it would have been later because of all the commercials. So I didn't I know what it's funny that someone trying to get people out of the shot ended up getting in the shot. Yeah, right. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, that's all I have, actually. But yeah, so there you go. Trivia. Wow. <laughs> One of my favorite bits is just the names that he's named all the characters like yeah. different directors. Yeah. And they didn't really jump out at me until Cronenberg, Cynthia. Yeah, the Cynthia Cronenberg. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, hardy, har, har. <laughs> that. Okay. Because <laughs> JC's character is just JC. You never really hear his name. You hear it once. But no, no. Later you find out what is. Yeah. It's yeah. like something Carpenter. It's James he, Carpenter. James then Carpenter. And then what's it? But then he has a last name too. That's. Yeah, I don't remember. I forget his last name. But Chris's his last name is just Chris a... for a while until you hear Chris Romero. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and fellas, Ray- that was. Ramy. Ramy. Can't leave out old yeah, Ramy. Sergeant Ramy. Well, Hydroberg, that was a fun one. I'm glad you picked it. Thank you for introducing me to that one for the first time. Thank you. I love it. John, next week, it's your pick, and it's the final week in our Horrors of School Month. What do you have in store for us? Oh, boy. Uh, the bell's going to ring, John. I know. <laughs> uh, we're going to bring on some special guests. Yes. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Straight chilling podcast. Rob and uh, Andy. Really? <laughs> yes. Oh my god! I can't Randu. believe you got them both. Randu. We are talking about 2018's Suspiria. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. There we go. That definitely takes place in a school. It does. All right. School of dance. Ballerina. I must dance. Climax Redux Part <laughs> 2. Electric Boogaloo. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you can find that film on Amazon Prime. Yeah, sure. it's it's actually an Amazon production. So it is. It's, yeah. um, it's uh, free on Amazon Prime if you have that. Otherwise, I don't know what I don't know what where you can watch it. I guess on Blu-ray. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's a long but, one. Uh, it is long. I think it's close to three hours. Am I right? Mm-hmm. Two and a half, three hours? Two hours and 20 minutes. Okay. Yeah, yeah this might as well be three We've hours. Watched, we, we did Midsummer, so this is fine. We did. I did the director's cut, so. Yes. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, revisiting that one for the third time and talking about it with you guys. Uh, I love that we're having Bob and Randy on. Yes. Uh, We've almost completed the set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost. But it's, you know, for Soju especially, scheduling is tough. So I understand. Yeah. But um, and I'm looking forward to having the boys share their story of why this is uh, an interesting pick mm. for to have them on as, as special guests. Uh, I think there's a little background there history that needs to be story. shared. Yeah. Perhaps Love. it's a bad beer or something. We, yeah, we better make sure. Yeah, it's a BYOB a episode. Beer. Bring your own beer. <laughs> it's yeah. Miller time. <laughs> so let's hope Bob gets something good in him for, for next week's show. All right. Well, guys, 
I'll see you back here for then. In the meantime, if anybody out there wants to send us an email, uh, you can email us at a cut above horror review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at cut above horror. You can follow us on Instagram at a cut above one word dot horror underscore review. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, a cut above colon horror review and give us those five star reviews on Instagram and I and Spotify. All right. Well, fellas, looking forward to talking about Suspiria 2018. Again, watch the 2018 one, not the original 1975. Hey, if you got one. time, watch them both. Well, yes, definitely watch both, but don't watch only the original. Yeah. So make sure you watch that remake too. So I'll see you guys back here next week. And keep it Night of the Creepy. Night of the Creepy.